welcome to The Common Room, the show where the crew gets to hang out and talk all things Dungeons and Doctorates, as well as answering questions from you, the audience. I'm your host, Ross Bolch, and joining me this week, we have our game master, Benjamin Kiernan. Hello. Voice of the delightful Meredith Meadowlark, Dr. Joanna Howes. Hello. And of course, voice of the mysteriously aloof Potentia, K.O. Sullivan. That's me. Hello. Rounding out the group. <laughs> yes, welcome all. Uh, this is going to be a really fun show. Folks, please beware, this episode of The Common Room contains spoilers for episodes one through seven, Find Friends right up until Parchment and Passageways. Session Zero was the first time that our players are on the campus and exist in this world, and we meet a lot of characters, um, ourselves and other NPCs, and there's a lot of like locations we visit on campus. I mean, what were your impressions existing in this world for the first time i love that it felt that the the campus itself feels like a beautiful amalgamation of i mean i've studied at three different universities and worked on two additional campuses on top of that and been on other campuses uh, as well and i think it feels like a really nice amalgamation of what we for know as australian university campuses but also has a good solid dose of places like Oxford, Harvard, Yale, these other big cornerstone universities throughout the world um, that people recognise from popular culture because, and having that feel, like, you know, the big open grounds uh, where we meet Frank feels like a track that you would have on a US campus that you might not have at, say, I mean, the three of us went to ANU, that kind of track just doesn't exist because the... There's no running track. No, on that and I mean, I did whatever, eleven like. years of university at UTS in Sydney, so like <laughs> in a city, in a city uni. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. We had one green patch, and then they took it away to build another. It's funny because I think for us, like um, St Lucia, the UQ campus, is very classical. Like I've I've been to I've been to like Nottingham University and like Oxford and stuff, and like UQ has that feel. It has the sports field. It has the big green with like the sandstone buildings surrounding it. Like. Um, definitely in my head, I see a lot of that as we play because it's it's a good influence for me. Um, but I mean, Ben, you created the university. Like, what were your I- inspirations for, for the campus? Mm. So I have studied at three different campuses and I have toured and uh, spent time at six or seven campuses. I wanted to create a university that anybody could look at and recognize as a Mm. university. It is that old world kind of university, but that is where it exists. It exists in a fantasy world. Um, But I'm glad that you as players could like recognize Mm -hmm. the university and and get a feel for it straight away. I think there's a comment in the very first in episode zero where you talk about, I think the, um, the land manager the facilities manager talks about how you shouldn't get too close to the ducks because they will viciously attack you. And I was like, Wollongong Uni. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yes, that is that is my experience at the University of Western Australia. Yeah. It's the ducks. Like, vicious or the ducks. peacocks. Like, it doesn't matter. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. vicious ducks. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so sense. obviously um, we mm-hmm. get to spend a bit more time uh, on campus during orientation week. Um, so we, I mean, basically the first three episodes are all sort of orientation week, but... Um, 
this is where like the, the that classic market experience comes into play, and the characters get to um, meet some NPCs for the second time, um, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and it's kind of interesting because um, I actually had thought about this myself after the fact. Um, Pumpernickel wanted to ask me uh, why didn't Harold want to join the Druid Society. Um, and do they only wild shape into boring things? Ooh, and boring I, I thought things. about it because obviously Ben does <laughs> mention so specifically the Druid Society. Um, and I think the thing is for Harold mm. is that you have to remember that he actually was an undergrad at the university. So it's it's I think in my head he probably was already part of that society, but doesn't also probably doesn't identify with them that much either because he his form of like druidry is so alien to the normal like completely wild shape focused experience that druids had so for him he's probably more interested in experiencing new things that now he's a postgrad which is why he's so he's really drawn to this new card game that has popped up you know for him it's like this is something new and if harold has anything it's curiosity i think what drives him the most as a character his core like drives are adventure and curiosity um, and I think that's the reason that he probably didn't go to them because one, he's probably already kind of part of the society in some ways, but also his druid craft is just different. It's 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 a different style to the the classic sort of the classic druidness. Um, but we get to see Gore again for the second time, um, and we actually get to spend a little more time with him. And Pumpernickel again wants to ask you, Ben, what is third year PhD student Gore's research? Uh, does he believe in taking health potions for wounds or healing through like things like rest and good diet? I don't think Gore's research is a spoiler. I think it is something that he's doing, but it's not what his character is, is yeah. about yeah. in the show, at least. So I mean, Gore, he's, he's basically done at this point. <laughs> Gore, Gore has Gore has layers. There are there are things in Gore still. Mm. So. Sorry. I will not say he's like an onion. I will not say he's like an onion. <laughs> um, so Gore is uh, studying health fitness. And specifically, he is looking at whether the lifestyle of the barbarian culture would be beneficial for professional athletes. Classic health science stuff, right? Like the sports science, health science thing. Uh, and his opinion on, on health potions are that a similar thing exists in barbarian culture, but has a much more musky mm-hmm. taste. Nice. Uh, he finds the the health potions brewed in Ferramustus to be maybe a little too sweet for his liking, but he <laughs> is fine with drinking them. So obviously we interact with Gore, we interact a little bit with Michael again, um, and then after a little bit of socialisation, um, the group is offered their first official quest, or more Potentia is offered the quest, and it's yes. interesting because, um, you know, Potentia never offers the information that the ultimate goal of this quest is to actually for her to gain entry to the Enigma Society, which on reflection isn't too dissimilar a motive to Rafi, who wants to be able to join the Thieves Guild. So I'm kind of curious because obviously Harold and Joe, one, because of their characters, Harold but and Joe. also, <laughs> um, yeah, why did I do that? I mean, that's anyway, not necessarily Harold and, Harold and Meredith. Uh, one, because of their, their <laughs> character, but also, two, because as, as players, we realised that this was the story hook. And, to, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> sometimes we just know that 
because it's obvious to us having played the game. Because you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. you've given us a quest yeah. to go on, Ben? Okay. So Howard and Meredith <laughs> are obviously kind of, for their own reasons, keen to do this. But what would what would Potentia's plan had been if they were like, well, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot of reasonable people would have been like, I'm not doing um, this. I don't even know, know what's going on. I think Potentia always thought she would get Meredith on side. Because... Because essentially the quest as posed to Potentia in the first place is go help the librarian. And I think that that gut instinct of like, well, hang on, Meredith is bubbly and likes people. Mm-hmm. She's going to be on board to go help a librarian. Yeah, you said the because, magic word in there, which is help. Meredith is totally yeah, on board. Which, which if you if you actually listen to how, I, how Potentia talks to mm-hmm. Meredith about what they're doing, mm-hmm. it's always we're helping... I've heard that there's a librarian who needs some help, and then it's like we're helping Bonin. Like, yeah. it's always playing into that. But yeah. you want to be helpful, right? Which Meredith totally does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think what's interesting is that I don't know that she cared that much about whether Harold was going to jump on board. But I think she thought that as soon as Meredith jumped on board, Harold was likely to jump on board. It's interesting because from from my perspective, Harold seemed the most like. First of all, confused, but then like, oh yeah, sure, I'll come along and help you. And then as the story progressed, Harold was more interested in the adventure and the the, the story yes. he was going to tell afterwards. And Meredith became this. Why are we doing this again? Like, yeah, well, yeah. Why? I mean, let's so Joe, let's let's talk about that a little because Meredith is never told that the actual reason for the quest. Because I failed a perception check. You know, you ask who's Nora, and I'm like nobody. <laughs> all yeah, you know is yeah. that we're we're helping Bonin. So I'm kind of curious, like. What we we, we mm. get a little bit of this in game, but what is Meredith's internal thought journey like during this quest? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about it that much, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, I think I thought about it afterwards. Like, I kind of realized halfway through, I was like, "Hang on, Meredith is a very smart person. Like, sure, she's a bit naive because she hasn't really been in the city for very long. But at a certain point, she's kind of like, "Hang on, we're doing all these crazy things. What? I know we're helping the librarian, but like." What? <laughs> What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Um, I felt like she probably would have had a bit of a moment where she was like, hang on, why am I risking my yeah. life again? Um, yeah, why, why, why are we climbing over beer. this fence? Why are we, do, why are we yeah. breaking into this person's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, like it didn't, I realised about halfway through that it didn't kind of strike me as something that she would go into completely yeah. blind. You know, like I mm. think even if she is very helpful and very like positive and, you know, I'm going to do anything, like these guys are my friends, you know, I'm going to help them out and be loyal. She wouldn't do that completely blind. Yeah. I think that that yeah. change actually happens once you meet the, yeah. the rogues. Once yes. you're like, oh, I have yeah, to, I have yeah, to yeah. now commit cr- like potentially crimes. That's yeah, not yeah. something I'm a hundred percent. Well, that's kind for. of an interesting exactly. thing, yeah. right? Because um, in this session, you know, it, 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 we kind of we finally get to sort of see how each player and each player's characters approach problem solvings from pretty different angles, and I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. how. You know, as players, like, how do you feel like these approaches, like, blended as a group? Well, I think um, for me, so just to quickly jump back on what something Ben said, like, I don't think Potentia realised how much uh, Harold was an adventurer at that point. She didn't really know that yet. She does now. But um, so she was never going to hook in on that. But I think her way of approaching things will absolutely 100% come from her family um, and their way of going about things and trying to not do exactly that. 
I have said, I think, at one point that my family come from a yeah, military background. That does get brought up in um, this episode. And so I think I you think. see a lot of that. I mean, as, as a DM, Ben, what is it like for you, kind of, because we're very early on, watching and sort of experiencing how us as players approach the game? And I'm kind of curious, like, does that change? Has that changed the way you've approached designing the sessions? Or are you trying to just sort of organically create situations and just throw them at the players and just see what happens? So I've had a lot of, lot of experience in the past dealing with one very kick down the door, sort it out later kind of groups. I've also dealt with very combat heavy roleplay light groups. I've also had a couple games that were just slapstick comedy the entire time. Like two goblins and a pet snake escaping (laughs) a prison. Like slapstick comedy the entire time. And this is probably my first experience with a, a story that is so collaborative. Mm. I I very much previously have had my hands more on the reins and kept things kind of where I think they're they're going. I am someone who says that my world is detailed enough that if players want to go climb a mountain, they can climb that mountain because there is stuff there to see and do. But Mm -hmm. there are always consequences for the actions they, they do. They can't just decide to kill somebody and be like, and there are no consequences for that because everything has consequences in life. It should have consequences in the game. This is a game where I have had to very much step back and, and realize that I am dealing with three very competent players here who can roleplay very well. They can play in the world very nicely. And I just need to set the scene, have some dialogue from NPCs and let these players do their thing and that the story will move along at its own pace. When I try to force things, I found that it doesn't work. It doesn't feel (laughs) right. And um, I think there's a a story arc coming up that I I anticipated uh, being two to three episodes long. And one of those episodes has ballooned to at least two. Mm -hmm. It's uh, just because it was... It was so good. Yeah. You three players are some of the best players I've worked with uh, and played games with in terms of me letting you play in a scene. And I, there's an episode that comes out in the future where I, and as recording this, you all know, I sort of wasn't so much running the game as just watching you three interact yeah. and just watching you yeah. play. And there's a moment where that. I'm like, oh wait, I have to do things now <laughs> yeah. because I am in charge. Yeah. Hang on a second. Yeah. Supposedly in charge. I, I 100% yeah. remember that moment and and you're just being like, oh, uh, yes, you do have to roll for that. Yeah. Uh, uh. I mean, I'm really looking forward to people hearing that because it's, it's, it's probably the first session where we really, for the first time, just dig right into the characters and, and that's really mm-hmm. about our interactions over anything else and it it will serve the story later and it will serve our characters later but in that Mm -hmm. moment it's just all about the people that our characters are and I think people are going to really enjoy that Mm -hmm. hopefully. Oh there's such an awesome moment between Harold and Potentia and I love it so much. Oh in the next episode that releases there's a moment that happens that um I think is a precursor to what we then end up with more of Mm. as we go on later Mm -hmm. um and I think it's it's the moment when, Ben, you almost went, oh, I can let you guys just do stuff and stuff will happen. Yeah. Like, like not stuff I planned, but yeah. stuff. And some of those moments yeah. are the best moments I find in, in 
in Dungeons and Dragons, having players just go off on some bizarre thing and have fun doing it are some of the best moments. Yeah, it's really great. Well, let's talk about our supervisors because we are, of course, postgrads uh, with projects mm-hmm. and we all have supervisors. Um, it was kind of interesting because we all meet our supervisors for the first time in this episode, meet the supervisors. And I'm, I'm so curious... Having listened, because we we recorded these separately as a little production note, like we weren't on the call for each other's meetings, like we only were with one on one with Ben. So no. having listened back now, there's some interesting stuff there. I mean, what did you all think of yeah. your supervisor? Because I personally, I, I love my supervisor. Um, they're 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 very interesting. Um, being a dwarf kind of gives them that sort of different dynamic as well, um, and I think it's going to be cool watching like our relationship maybe change as the pressures of the project alter because a lot of a lot of relationships with supervisors start pretty well uh and can evolve in different ways depending on the supervisor so i mean what did Mm -hmm. you folks feel like as as players when you met your supervisors for the first time there were two very different people i remember when ben was kind of building our supervisors and building those characters he asked us how many you asked us for three traits that we appreciated and three traits that we didn't yeah, I asked you for the, some positive traits and some negative traits. And then I kind of added a few things in myself and then kind of shuffled to create your supervisors. Yeah, basically. So they're going to have some some interesting things coming up. She kind of reminds me an awful lot of my one of my supervisors. Yeah, and I, I hesitate to kind of go into details because you can very easily go and look up who my supervisors were. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be very vague. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... She, um, Jillian reminds me a lot of one of my supervisors. Um, I get the feeling she's going to be very hands-off, which is interesting. So she's kind of going to point me in a direction or point Meredith in a direction. <laughs> anyway, point Meredith in a direction. She's going to point Meredith in a direction and give her some reading and then just kind of go, okay, this is kind of what I want you to investigate, but you're sort of mm. on your own a little bit. Um, yeah, but I think the, the relationship between those two is going to be really interesting. And I don't think Jillian was... Um, like the, you know, it kind of what Ben Ben's kind of playing of the character tells me is that she wasn't expecting someone like Meredith, like she's a little bit like sort of thing. Um, <laughs> ben <laughs> you know, has Ben's just zipped like his lips and yeah. uh, <laughs> throwing the key away. <laughs> Basically, um, yeah, and I think because my project as well is very different to. Harold and Potentials as well. It's going to be interesting in investigating that. And I, like my background, my PhD was very like hard mm. science. It was chemistry, environmental chemistry. Not a squishy? No, not squishy, no. Um, whereas this is more social science, which is more what I'm into now and what I really enjoy investigating and what I spend a lot of my time investigating at the moment anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good to investigate that some more and like delve into the relationship there. But I love her. I think she's great. She gets a little bit nonplussed sometimes, but, you know, that's how a lot of people react to Meredith. I also know the person on which my supervisor (laughs) is based because Ben has been as subtle as a brick with that one. Um, (laughs) It's it's going to be interesting because I want to see, I, I remember the negative things that we had, like, had to give Ben, the things that we thought of as negative, and I'm like, I have never had... Uh, I, I did a third year research project, which like Joe was when I realized that research was not my jam and that I kind of just want to talk about everyone else's research and make it so that everyone else can understand it, please. That's, that's what I do. Um, 
And so I don't have the experience really of a negative, like of the negativity aside from the things that I gave Ben. So I don't have the depth of research knowledge that the other two of you have um, as to what my supervisors could make problem for me, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting because, um, you know, Joe and I both have had supervisors for projects and it's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting thing where in some ways our experiences are flipped. So you get to be the audience, you get to be the lens to the audience member who maybe hasn't had a supervisor and like get to experience mm-hmm, that a yeah. little bit more organically and, and maybe give a bit of a window to our audience for what it's like to be a postgrad um, for people who haven't done that or don't have that experience. So obviously in this this episode, Meet the Supervisors, um, we, we, meet, we do that. We meet the we meet the titular supervisors and then we uh, have another social interaction, which is one of many awkward social interactions involving potential. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious as 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 sort of the person Kate. Like Potentia is a very high intelligence character. If we're if we're talking mechanically, that is her sort of defining characteristic. I'm kind of curious because when you know that you're supposed to be good at something, how did it feel to you as a player and then sort of conversely you as like potentially the character when you, basically the dice failed you and you 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 don't figure out this puzzle from the Enigma Society? Um, well, I, uh, to peek behind the curtain slightly, Ben had messaged me at some point during that episode basically saying, you are not going to be able to figure this out by yourself. And I was like fine um <laughs> i'm gonna tr- like she's gonna try anyway this is kate brain and, and potential brain happening duly at the same time but you know um i knew that i couldn't do it by myself but i knew that she was gosh darn gonna try um and that you know i think anyone who's been on a campus of any university has probably seen the person sitting at a coffee table with the piece of paper or whatever and just trying to get something figured out in their own head or you've seen someone sitting in a lab like just complete blinkers on trying to trying to figure something out and to me knowing where she comes from and how she's always had to figure things out is by herself and that's what she's gonna do she might do it very obviously and in a way that you know everyone can see the problem tm but um, she's not necessarily going to ask for help because she thinks she's that smart and she can just do it. And, you know, she can't. And that's okay. Like, you can't just, if you're a smart person, you need to be able to ask for help um, with problems. That's kind of, I think all four of us would agree that mm-hmm. there are problems that we've had at different points in our oh, research, absolutely. in our personal lives where we just have to talk to other people. And that's a hugely, like, that's a really hard lesson to Mm. learn as well, particularly for, you know, someone who is as independent as Potentia. I mean, and this will will actually result in a sort of moment later on in the episode. Um, But the interesting thing is that Harold figured it out pretty quickly because he just has the context. That's that's what was missing. Um, But obviously Harold kind of at this point enjoys... uh, making potential work for everything and so mad i was so mad because i was like i know you're doing this to me obviously i kind of want to i kind of want to peel the curtain back a little bit here because ben you were freaking out behind the scenes because i was flipping losing my mind 
because you all wanted to go shopping but didn't have money to do it. And the reward for solving the puzzle was going to be the money. Ben eventually kind of was like, guys, we need to we need to solve this for the for, for yeah. the rest of the episode. Um, and this was a bit earlier on, too, because I think had that same situation happen now, I think, Ben, we've evolved to a point where you would know, oh, Harold will move the story along eventually or Meredith yeah. will do yeah. the thing. Or, you know, I think I think because we were a little earlier on, we didn't quite have the same um Rhythm. Yeah, rhythm together. And I think that's yeah. a cool thing that's evolved since then, that we all kind of trust each other now that everything will work out. Um, but I'm kind of curious what it's mm-hmm. like as a DM. Like, what, what was your backup plan going to be if if nothing happened, you <laughs> there know? There was no plan. There was no plan. <laughs> there was going to be an emergency NPC come in, see the thing, <laughs> and be like, oh, that's this yeah. thing. And, like, that would have had to be yeah. it. And we would have I, never I seen like them again. <laughs> I don't like like pushing things in terms of story and plot. But that was a moment where I, I needed you to solve this puzzle for the plot to continue for the episode yeah. that I'm going to go shopping. Yeah, just to make story sure that the podcast like, didn't like consist of potential staring at a piece of paper for the rest of the it time. Been, okay, if you hadn't have sold it, you would have gotten to the Adventurer's Guild. Oh, I want to buy this thing. Oh, I can't buy that With thing. what yeah. money? But, like, this was the thing. I actively, as a player, was like, I know that we have to solve this problem. But I also know mm. that my character yeah. can't ask for yeah. help because of previous actions by these other characters towards Oh, yeah, her. Like, and you totally did the right thing. Help. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm putting it out on the pa- on the table. I'm writing it out on the napkin. <laughs> like, what do you want from me, guys? Like, I'm trying to give you everything. And you guys are like... Now we're eating, we're eating fries and ignoring you. And All I'm right, like, well, let's talk about this because fine. you accidentally in this episode uh, have <sighs> set a precedent where Potentia doesn't eat. Yes! <laughs> I mean, that was not that was not an intentional character choice. It's it. No! And it's happened. It's and it's, happened and it, I'm going to peek behind the curtain. It still freaking happens. I know. Everything we've already recorded. It's just this weird just accident fucking. where potentially gets distracted and doesn't eat. She drinks. Yeah. She drinks. And then forgets to eat. And she eats. She drinks and she eats one lot of fairy force <laughs> of choice. Like, and like a French fry. <laughs> like legitimately. If no, we're talking about potato. things that keep happening, <sighs> we have to talk about, about Harold failing every stealth check he makes, <laughs> yes! apart from when magically assisted. Oh my goodness. And your passive perception. Uh, we are currently level three, though at the end of... Uh, we are level four after the events of the underlibrary. And we'll mm-hmm. we'll have a little yep. separate thing for leveling up, just so that people can hear about our choices there. But... Um, yeah. Yes, Harold has a strength and a dexterity of 10, which puts his modifier at zero, uh, which means any physical activity, he is about 50-50 to fail. (laughs) (laughs) Which has included climbing trees, climbing walls. And and, and, and it's a really nice little thing, though. I know. I kind of want to talk about Meredith a bit, though, here, because in Uh Orientation Week, um, we get this kind of whirlwind trip through the city. Um, but in this episode, uh, the party gets to explore the city a bit more. They, we get to take our time, looking around mm-hmm. a bit, talking to some more people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is this is this the first experience where Meredith has found herself in a big city? And I'm curious yeah. what Meredith kind of feels about this compared to things that she's used to. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one with her because on the one hand, I kind of wanted her to be not phased by the number of people. Mm. But on the other hand, you kind of want to have like this, this sort of like, well, this is definitely not what she's used to. Like she's from a tiny, you know, little place called Condwell Grove, um, which was a village. And then she went to university in like a, a slightly bigger city. So kind of think for those of you that know your New South Wales geography, um, it's kind of like growing up on the South Coast in like a tiny little place like Ulladulla and then moving north to Wollongong to go to university and then moving north again to Sydney to go to university. That's kind of like the um, the progression that she's had. That's a really nice, like, description yeah. of what that's like, actually. Yeah, yeah totally. You went from a village to a mm-hmm. town to a yeah, city. absolutely, yeah. So that's the kind of thing that she's been dealt with. But Meredith, I think, loves people so much that I don't think she's particularly faced by it. She's mm. just a little bit naive. So... Like, her wisdom score is pretty low. Um, And that's just to reflect her lack of life experience, I guess. Yeah. And then when we level up, I, I, you know, you'll hear that, but I level up her wisdom score a tiny bit. Yeah. Because she's spent some time in in the big city and she's kind of gotten to know how things work and, you know, who to trust and who not to trust. Because at the moment she's just trusting everyone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I I love the moment of uh, Meredith in Magic Mart. Mm-hmm. Where I think, yeah. like, Harold and I have a serious character moment Yeah, uh, at the front of the store. Yeah, and Meredith is While you're off, like, like, where is the bard? Yeah. Where is this magical bard playing music? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I go off to try and find it. Um, well, let's talk a little bit yeah. about, like, Magic Martin stuff, because... Obviously, um, the the result of the our party achieving the quest in the previous episode is that Potentia gets a reward and generously yeah. shares it between us. This amount of gold is fairly trivial for people like Potentia and Harold who have grown up with big houses. And I mean, not trivial, but not. It's yeah, it's, it's not amazing. It's, it's, a, it's not. It's not personal it's, wealth. Think, yeah, it's like, pocket money, yeah. kind of money, mm-hmm. but not like. You know, it's mm-hmm. not chump change by any means, but it's certainly pocket money level it's a of Christmas money. Present. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. for Meredith, who's kind of uh-huh. grown up in in sort of a village where, you know, probably yeah. probably you know we were paying city prices for beer, whereas beer is yeah. probably yeah. coppers in Commonwealth. Oh yeah, Grove. totally. So, and like Meredith would would definitely have never paid for anything like that in her so life. So I'm curious right? how Meredith yeah react. Well, she goes and blows it all immediately on that cloak, right? Like, yeah, and I think that's that's just something that, you know, for me, like I remember, you know, I've definitely come from a place of privilege. I don't really understand what it is to not have money, but also I do remember the first time I got my very full t- first full-time paycheck, I was like, <gasps> you know, mm-hmm. and just went, oh, my goodness. And then I got that when I was like, I think I got my first full-time job a couple of years ago, like in my 30s, right? <laughs> like, so... Gestures you know, to you kind of get superfluous audio equipment at my side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, yes, um, yeah. So, like, I think that was very much a you know a reaction of somebody who has never had money, but suddenly has it and goes, "Oh my goodness!" You know that thing that I've been looking at that I can I've never been able to buy. Now I can. I'm going to go and do it, which is not necessarily the best decision ever, but it seemed like something that Meredith would want to do. Yeah. So, whereas Harold does the very privileged thing of just pocketing the money and not spending it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you buy a couple of health potions. I buy a couple of spells that Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I like, I I, I meant to pick these up Mm -hmm. at some point. So I'm going to pick them up now because I've got a bit of extra money. But 
yeah, 100%. I think yep. it's it's the the difference and it's it's interesting to see mm-hmm. um even just the idea of like cuz there there are two I think there's two types of people when you when when people come from from uh less well-off backgrounds and that's one spend all the money mm-hmm. or two do not spend any of the money. Mm-hmm. And it's like there's a there's a it's an interesting um like it's a good, it's it's very clear mm-hmm. what Meredith does in the, in that mm. moment. Yeah, um, I think. Well, shall we talk a little bit about um, the moment outside of Magic Mart? So, sort of, I guess, out of a little bit of exasperation, you know, Harold mentions to Potentia that um, she she can ask for help because Harold and Meredith are quite fond of her at this point and are happy to help her if they if they need to and that he goes as far as to suggest that the group but you know he's talking to Potentia are friends but this concept really seems to take Potentia by surprise to the point where she kind of can't offer a response like what's going through Potentia's mind at that moment I remember recording that moment and I remember it's not in the episode because uh I think Ben you rightly edited yourself out of of this moment um but Ben's response was just, oh, the silence mm. or something vaguely mm-hmm. along those lines. And like it 100 percent was that because she just was like, it's not something that I, I don't know that she has actively ever she actively ever had thought that she would meet people at university and have friends mm-hmm. mm. like she was she is there because she is studying the thing. And that's the next that she step. She has been yeah. looking at like this is the logical next step in her life, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what you you do next kind of thing. But um, I think it took her back, and also it took her back. I think specifically because it came from Harold, who up to this point has basically made fun of her the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you know, I, I actually I I, uh, I think when we were doing the edit. At one point, I said to to Ross, "It's interesting that Meredith is like, don't worry, we'll break her. Like, I'll break her. I'll get, I'll become friends with her." And then Harold is the first one to be like, "You know, we're friends, right?" Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like this, this, um, you know, she mm. in in her mind, I think Meredith is like, "Oh yes, I'm friends with everybody." So she's like, "Yeah, it's, it's I don't like need, yeah, this is Almost a thing." The idea of friendship to Meredith is that it is, and I. I I dislike this word, but I think it, it is apt for Potentia's mindset, is that friendship is disposable. Mm. It is a thing that you are with everyone. Mm. And so, but where Harold seems much more like judgy <laughs> and, you know, but in, in a way that she can understand. Harold has lots of siblings. His, his, yeah. his way of communicating is teasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Which, which, to be fair without revealing too much, she should also understand. But I don't know that she knows that that's a thing that people outside of families do. And mm-hmm. I, think it, I think it may come out later that Harold's relationship with friendship is not as typical either, which we might, that might come into play no. later as well. So, yeah, I, I think for me, that was the first real character moment of the show, of course. Um, we have those little mm. micro moments, you know, between sort of Harold and Potentia where they sort of shout each other with various helps, you know, the, the past without trace and, you know, the physically helping. But this is the first time that I think that they've communicated it. And I think it's it's a nice mm. moment. And, and I think in a lot of ways that actually feeds into some of the events of the underlibrary. 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Common Room. If you have questions for the crew, you can find out how to submit them as well as a host of other information at dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com. If you've been enjoying Dungeons & Doctorates, please rate and review the show as well as telling a friend. It really helps. As we move on to the underlibrary, you know, Potentia receives this raven message. It's clear to the other characters that something is happening, but as is usual for Potentia, it's not really vocalised. So, I mean, I'm kind of curious, like, what was Potentia's thought when receiving this raven message? In her head, there's only one person that that raven message was going to have come from. And in, in a sense, it does come from that person, yeah. um, although via an intermediary. That is the first person... I don't think I'm giving away too much of this, but, like, I think it's one of the first people in her life, certainly in her life for a number of years, who has actively shown interest in her as a person. Mm. Because Nora plucks her out of a sea full of people. Mm -hmm. Harold has been around this campus for a while and has not been plucked out of the crowd of people, much as, you know, we as players know that that's potentially something that he would want. It's not Meredith that gets picked out, despite the fact she's the bubbly, gregarious one. Mm -hmm. It's this person who basically doesn't talk to anyone and has very little, like, has not shown anything to this person. They've just been like, you, I'll take you. And so in her mind, there's only one person that that could have come from. And if that's the case, then she's got to go. And, like, this is a person that matters right now. It's interesting, Kate, the player, it was like, I know full well that there's other people that if things happened to that there would be a similar reaction, but I don't know that she knows that yet. And I think it's interesting because I think had some of those events of Meet the Supervisors not happened, I don't know whether Harold and I think Meredith may have followed, but I don't know if Harold would have followed without those events because in, in the orientation week, it's obvious there's an adventure to be had. In this instance, it's more that Potentia is upset about something. And I, I think that moment needed to happen for Harold to care about her emotional well-being more than just the adventuring as well. And so obviously that that is sort of enables Harold to come along. I mean, so let's talk a bit about Gore because Gore is, uh, Gore decides to come along as well. And I'm curious, Ben, was it always the plan to have Gore come along for this adventure? Because in the end, through events, he doesn't actually really do anything because he doesn't really get a chance you know i mean to cause defense things happen fairly quickly um who needs a tank so i'm guessing you know so i'm kind of asking did you always imagine gore coming along and did you imagine that the fights might actually have been a little more drawn out in that case so i typically don't like having npc characters come along on adventures because i feel like i'm self-inserting myself into that story that's not really what i want to do because it's not my story, it's it's your story. But I felt in this instance, you all really liked Gore. And I hoped that the audience would like Gore as well. Spoiler alert, they do. <laughs> say that the audience like Gore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gore is the best. So I decided I'm going to have Gore come along on this mission. So that, because I, I knew there were going to be large stretches where there were only going to be the three of you. So I wanted to have an NPC come along that you could talk to and ask questions of who also happened to be physically tough if it required mm -hmm. it. Because we don't have some, a of those, <laughs> some of those fights could have gone very differently if roles didn't go the way they went. Yeah. Mm. And so I wanted to have some uh, a, a bit of a safety net in case I had to step in to 
Like, and, and so, but you guys did very well. I didn't need Gore to come in and, and save you all because you were doing so good yourself. Yeah. But Gore still plays a part in that story. And I think some there are some great moments with Gore oh, so good. that allowed me to interact with your characters on a one-on-one yes. basis. Mm. The falling chat. Yes. Oh, there's also, there's a great moment where Gore admits to Harold that Yeah, I really swim. enjoyed that. That was... Yes. And Harold, you know, comforts him, you know, says like, it's okay, like, it's not a big deal. And that, that reveals something nice about yeah. Harold as well. Harold's actually a nice boy. Well, before we talk about that a bunch, because <laughs> of course, you know, I could talk about me forever. Um, Joe, <laughs> I believe I'm getting this correct. So I, hopefully I'm not wrong in this, but I think that mm-hmm. Meredith in defeating the book snake actually gets the first victory of the campaign. I don't think we defeat anything yeah. up until that point. And no. you, you, you know, you, you, you put the killing blow on the snake. So I'm kind of curious how that feels. No, uh, well, one for Meredith. I don't know how often Meredith gets into scrapes, but also as a first time D&D player, I'm, I'm kind of really happy that it happened this way, that you got like the first yeah. kill. So like talk a bit about it. that, I Yay. guess. Yeah, no, that was really fun. It felt really good. There's a moment where I think, it, who, who was it who has to throw Meredith up onto the, the top of the bookshelf? I think it might be potential, yeah. Um, I was just thinking of toss me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's so me. she has to go up on top of the bookshelf and you know get it with the rapier. Um, I just thought that was really cool. You know that it was it was Meredith who I basically specked out as a healer, <laughs> support character. Yeah, <laughs> that gets to you know be all like stabby stabby. Yeah, that was pretty fun. So it was definitely the first kill, but I would say the first defeat of a monster is the face spider yes yes yeah that was yeah yeah that was potential which was definitely it was a collaborative lots of damage coming from characters except for Um, meredith meredith (laughs) healing after her her injury healing herself yeah yeah. (laughs) yes potentially are getting the 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 sleep spell off but there's 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 certainly something different though about which may have gone on slightly longer than six yeah (laughs) definitely yeah yeah. i mean obviously we played a bit with time there but because it made Mm. it it made for a cooler story you know at that point like and as and as you say the victory had happened per se at that point um yeah but i think there's something about getting the finishing blow that is just very quintessentially D &D. And I'm, it's very cool. And being able to be like, I loot the corpse. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Just like those, because, I, I, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not necessarily cliche D&D players, but we do enjoy those moments still, of course. Yeah. You know, we're all huge it was nerds. It's really nice. Um, yeah. But I mean, mm. talking of the fights, uh, Kate, Potentia was very effective um, <laughs> during these fights. I mean, all I'm going to all I'm going to say is they're made of books. She has Firebolt. But the thing is, I'm, I'm kind of curious. <laughs> and like, then you rolled a 20. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that nut 20 was, nat 20. was, you know, chef's kiss. But One. I'm kind of curious, though, because obviously oh. Potentia gets to presumably feel very powerful in this moment, especially in front of these people who, you know, she's sort of developing a relationship with. I'm kind of curious how that effectiveness uh, affected Potentia. I don't know how much of this you can give away, but obviously during your gap decade, you may have gotten into some scrapes as well. I'm, I'm kind of curious how, especially, you know, that, that the Nat 20 just really was a, a great moment in that fight. Like, how does Potentia feel at that moment? Mm. Because Harold is very impressed at that point, but Potentia doesn't really have the space to receive the compliment at that time. So I'm kind of curious what's going on in Potentia's head. I don't know that she has felt the most effective a lot 
And But it is a, a prime example of her doing a thing that she knows that she can do and doing it well. Um, so she sort of doesn't necessarily think of it as something that is worth complimenting because I don't know that it's necessarily been something that has been complimented in the way that Harold kind of does in that episode. Because in a sense, it's her just being like, no, that, that's just what you do when this is a problem. Like, you just solve the problem and you keep going because that's, you don't get the compliment. I think from Harold's perspective, um, and I, I think in Furmasters in general, is that magic is not totally common. She probably feels more effective when she is doing magic based on the way that she mm. was trained in magic. It as some like you use this you use the tools that you have available to you the recognition of it's made of books therefore i use something that is going to destroy books more effectively i.e i burn things um it makes sense to her as opposed to oh i'm gonna whip out my cool magic thing it's like well i'm gonna keep myself safe by staying as far away as i as i possibly can and i'm gonna use what i've got i actually have um, a question for potentia did she have a moment any moment of hesitation before deciding I am going to destroy these books as someone who has spent time as Kate as Kate reading books as Potentia reading books was there a moment of I am destroying a book I think the second that the book attacked someone is different correct me if I'm wrong but my memory is that Meredith gets attacked or she gets attacked by a book snake by the book snake before any of us get off anything Yes, the book snake drops off the the ledge and attacks her. The idea being that this is, uh, to use a D and D term, an aberration of what books are. This is not a book anymore. This is something that has been made in a way that is attacking okay. them. Same with book scorpion. But also, you will note that she doesn't attack book monkey because book monkey isn't a threat. Steve. So why would yeah. she attack the book monkey? So Ben, um, after the, the the defeat of the snake, uh, the, the the scorpion, um, we find ourselves after a little bit of exploration in this chamber, and a strange figure uh, is there, and a confrontation occurs. We have a figure there um, who appears to be talking to someone we don't know who, um, and a confrontation occurs, and they escape. So it's kind of interesting because now at the end of this episode, we have this essentially what seems like a much larger arc for our players to kind of explore. And I'm kind of curious, how much advanced storytelling do you do compared to, say, reacting to the events of the game to, to move the narrative on through the game actions compared to sort of more large arcs that you imagine will happen? At the, the end of that episode, I allude to a larger organisation that is hoarding knowledge uh, for their own purposes and preventing it from reaching public consumption. And this this character is suspected of being part of that group. I'm choosing my words carefully. And I had always and I'd always intended for them to escape mm. because if you defeat them, that 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 closes that yeah. story. And that character has more story to, to tell still, or to be told about them. In the earlier in this this podcast, I mentioned that I plan story yep. arcs, but I, I I would say that my story arcs fit within, to use like a TV term, a yep. season, and there are going to be villain characters 
four specific mm-hmm. seasons or groups of characters for seasons without giving things away. And so I have like, I have a, I have a villain narrative arc that I'm following for, th- for certain characters and they will interact throughout various arcs in various ways. As we've recorded this, you will know that something happens in a future episode. Yeah. And in the end of episodes, some of them I do a kind of somewhere else in the world this thing is happening that your characters couldn't possibly Mm -hmm. know about because that is alluding to future story things and this is a story medium. And that happens in, in many stories where the characters don't know a thing, but that thing is is building suspense and tension for future events. I didn't expect you to get through that fight so quickly, though. You have a lot more nuking potential, a lot more damage potential than I had anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to get that tabaxi out of there faster than I uh, originally planned. Mm. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. um, All of the players had a slightly different approach as well. Um, you know, like interestingly in that situation, Harold was the one who was trying to be the diplomat. Um, whereas obviously I, I, I see Potentia's priorities are on the people she came here for, of course. And it's not yep. until things kick off that everyone has to sort of join the fight. Meredith yeah. as well is, is immediately. Although Meredith kind of went with you to try and do some diplomacy and when that didn't go to plan, legged it for, for help. It's interesting because I think Potentia's view in that moment was there are extra bodies in this room get them up because if something goes wrong we've got to get more 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 people is better than less people i'm kind of curious as a as a dm ben obviously one of the decisions that my character made at the start of that fight was he he perceived this character to be talking to someone that harold can't see and so cast Mm -hmm. something cast fairy fire to try and sort of illuminate this person I'm kind of curious, like what what's, what what goes through your mind as a DM in that moment, where because obviously you knew that there wasn't anyone there, but like sometimes those ideas are actually kind of still interesting. I'm kind of curious how you react as a DM to like creative decisions like that. So I am someone who will I'm open to those kinds of decisions. If something comes along and like oh that's really cool, let's do that instead. But for this character, there wasn't someone there, yeah. and that. There are reasons yeah. for that that I can't get into, but the idea of, of Harold thinking someone's there, casting fairy fire, and then realizing there isn't someone there, that raises an interesting question of who are they talking to? How are they talking yeah. to them? What's going on? That is in, in itself a an interesting story point, an interesting moment. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to sort of exploring this um, in later episodes as well. So I want to finish off the show with a few questions from our mm-hmm. audience members. Um, Paul has a question for everyone, and I think I know some people's answers, but I think uh, a few of the others might be more interesting. So who is everyone's favourite NPC so far, and why is it Gore? Maybe betraying Paul's thoughts on the matter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely Gore. I don't know what it is about him. He's just so delightful. Like, one of my very favourite yeah. things quotations to come out of the show is come we exchange culture and he hands you a knife <laughs> like it's just oh every time he appears i'm always yeah, he's kind like, of like one of those yes. delightfully sort of friendly genuine <laughs> he's just people the best. and i think it's easy to relate to him for sure but kate you kind of alluded earlier that gore is not your favorite npc so i'm curious what your response is to this bonin 100 percent bonin 
I mean, really? firstly, Bonin the Librarian. Dragon Giles. I mean, you know, the fact that he's based on Giles kind of, now that I know that, which I didn't know when Bonin was introduced, I was like, that makes sense as to why I like him. Like, that, that makes sense. Gore, I, like, I understand where Gore comes from in terms of from a character perspective and from a, like, usefulness perspective and I think he's a great NPC Mm -hmm. but I think for me Bonin has such potential interest going far forward and also in terms of how long he's been at the university that I just think he is a more to me and probably to Potentia really a more interesting person um I I mean Mm -hmm. I also have a soft spot for Raffi the rogue who can't rogue because Raffi is a rogue yeah. who can't rogue. Yeah. So. And obviously that provided some funny moments in the episode as well, of course. And and that's what makes good NPCs, right? Like NPCs yeah. that create moments yeah. are, are really good. I think for me, actually, it's hard to say favourite, but I definitely have the most curiosity about Nora because she sort of pops up and we know nothing about her at all. Like we know a bit about Bonin, but Nora just kind of mm-hmm. pops up basically hands us something to do and then goes away again and there's some future stuff you know which i think could be interesting there as well which uh which we know about but um yeah um i i think nora seems pretty cool because especially you know bonin obviously has reason to want to look after his library and stuff whereas as being sort of president or at least involved in the enigma society like her reasons are a lot more yeah, esoteric what's and motivation? I think that's going to be interesting to explore i mean i'm curious ben it, it might be hard for you to be having a favourite because they're all your kind of kids, as it were. But, mm-hmm. I mean, is there an NPC you enjoy portraying the most? I mean, who's your favourite and who's your favourite to play? That's that's a really tough question. I have fun with so many characters. Uh, I, I do like playing Gore, maybe because I have nailed his voice so mm. well. I do like... Pl- Bonin is a lot of fun, and it took me a lot longer to get Bonin's voice right. Yes. <laughs> um... <laughs> There are some sections yes. I had to re-record because I just dropped the accent completely. And I, it, Bonin's interesting because it's it's a it's a character voice <laughs> and an accent, and it's such a way of speaking mm. that his his way of speaking is kind of because common is not the first language yeah. he learnt. It's a secondary language for him, and he doesn't speak it fluently. He speaks it conversationally, but he has difficulty. And I think that's interesting for a character. I've had a lot of fun with. Many, many characters. I Frank, Frank the Goodest, the goodest Boy. boy. <laughs> I think I think my favorite portrayal Aww. Ben has ever done is Frank the Goodest Boy. Frank. Because like Yeah, basically. Based based very strongly on boy. Doug from Up. Mm. Uh yeah, I, yes. I don't know if yes. I have a favorite character. They all have interesting things about them that I like. Uh in terms of character playing, Gore is maybe the most fun to play with mm. at the moment. Um, I'm. I suspect that in future episodes yeah. it'll be Professor Kegstone because mm. mm-hmm. he's a lot of fun to play with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's like, but then some point down the line, like my favorite. Like you could ask me two months from now, and my favorite character might be like three kobolds in a trench yeah. coat like it's gonna like <laughs> yeah that'll be cool this will be a nice this will be a nice journey to sort of go through right the the, the sort of what's in the dm's yeah. favor at the time uh i mean so t- talking about these characters um lawrence wanted to know like they they've never played rpgs themselves but they've listened to a lot of podcasts and they wanted to know that how much our characters bleed into everyday life and I think it's interesting one because I, I I don't really find Harold bleeding into Ross 
but I think that's because so much of Ross has bled into Harold. Harold's sense yeah. of curiosity and adventure is definitely something that I have. You know, I was one of those kids that I, I grew up on, uh, like there was a huge meadow at the back of my house. And as a kid, like for me, there was nothing better than just exploring some creek or cave or something. And I think I definitely bring that to Harold. Um, but also I, I had a very opposite upbringing to Harold. So a lot of his snootiness doesn't really exist within me. And I don't particularly find that bubbling up because it's very different to how I approach life in some ways as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I probably am similar in that, um, because of the way that I view characters in general, um, I can see a lot of me if I'd made a bunch of different decisions in Potentia anyway. Um, but in saying that, I think it's interesting because I find myself on campus in situations talking to people um, because I'm currently a student um, and kind of my brain's like, oh, I want how would Potentia react to this conversation? Which is why I say that for me, it's also interesting, like how much thinking I do about the game um, I, which is a lot, no surprise. Um, but that's, I think, more to do with I'm in the setting of a university campus, which means that it probably impacts me a little bit differently to how it impacts other players who aren't currently on campus interacting with supervisors and lecturers and things like that. So it's probably a little bit different. I mean, I, I have like a 20 to 30 minute walk uh, to and from work, and I definitely find myself thinking about game events and how Harold is going to react. Um, something pretty big happens to Harold in the, the you know, the, the episode that we've just finished. And I've been thinking a lot about how that experience is going to affect him going forward. So that'll be interesting. I mean, how about you, Joe? Is Meredith like, Meredith is a little more closely tied to your personality, so... Yeah, like I find myself, um, because I do a lot of training in my job, Yeah, um, I do a lot of cheering for my um, my reports basically. So my ambassadors, um, oh, they're so great, but <laughs> every time they do something really great or, you know, which is often, or like they smash a show and they do it really well. I'm always just like, yes, kind of thing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I am basically a bard cheering for yeah. my, <laughs> cheering for my party. You know, I'm just glad that we have, we, we don't have yes. the stereotypical bard. The, the I roll to seduce everything yeah. bard. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that's not that's not Meredith and that's not me. So we're not getting that kind of bad. <laughs> Paul wanted to know, do we ever have to stop recording because we're having too much fun? So we, we don't stop recording, but I will say that we are not a completely live podcast. <laughs> no. Like we edit a lot of things out. We trim out some of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly there are game moments that cause wild tangents to occur that poor Ben has to sort of <laughs> listen to and then yeah. cut, essentially. Yes. Ben, can you think of any particular ones where it's just been like, we got fun and then the fun had to go away because we, we fun for too not long? Not really. We, we do come to sometimes go on these, these tangents which can break the flow of what we're doing. Um, there's an mm. example in the underlibrary where we get off on a tangent about why basic arithmetic is tricky sometimes mm -hmm. and that was occurring during a fight and it was really interesting and good but it also broke up like it it 
the fight had to stop for us to have that conversation. Yes. And it, it, I think it was right for the um, cut from that episode to keep the, the story moving. Never know. We might have a random chats. Yeah, random like chats we, podcast we try and keep some of the fun because we want to. <laughs> we want to keep the idea that we are human people who are enjoying playing this game, but also we we have to balance yeah. that with keeping a coherent narrative experience, yeah. which we're always aware of. I think actually, I have I have mm-hmm. cut myself out the most in the early episodes. In the yeah. early episodes, um, not as much now that we are moving forward, but in the earlier episodes, I did a lot more reacting to what you're doing. And mm. that works, that might work on a mm-hmm. tabletop where you're all mm. sitting around having a laugh together about what's going on. But for what we're doing, it doesn't work. And so I, I removed my reactions, my, my gasps of surprise. And, and I still keep like my laughter is yeah. in there a fair yeah. bit for some of the things we do. But yeah, like the, the moment um, in episode four, yeah, where yeah, Harold says we're friends, and Potentia just is silent. Mm. I I remember that silence and just going like, oh my, like the, the silence was so deafening. Yeah, that was such a strong answer. And going, yeah, and so listening back to that episode, it made sense to me. Like, no, I like. I don't need to react because the audience is reacting. Yes. Well, I hope the audience is reacting in that same way. I don't need to mm. be the representative of the audience. Mm-hmm. The, I don't need to be a laugh track for the audience. We do have our cameras on um, when we're recording so we can see each other. And Kate is notorious at making me laugh at really weird times. Just by- I did keep those <laughs> like, like the flip episode. Yes, the sound effects. For the sure. underlying <laughs> I, moments where I'm just I think I also am moments. really bad because I can laugh yeah. without noise because I have practiced doing so because uh, I've spent a lot of time backstage and if something funny happens you can't yeah you can laugh but you cannot make that get a big sound yeah yeah so I'm the worst because I will be silently losing nah. my losing my mind yeah. like yeah, yeah. sitting here Everyone can see me losing my mind, but it's mm-hmm. not in the audio track. But yeah, even I think even during the most serious moments, we are having the time of our lives for sure. Like there is there is there are some conversations coming up that are very heavy for the characters, but Ross was just absolutely yeah, it's really having fun. a blast. It was amazing. So um and I, I'm I'm so looking forward yeah. to everyone hearing that because um I think going forward that is what we're we're trying to do. So But yes, that will do it for this episode of The Common Room. Um, We will be back with more episodes as time goes on. Um, We don't have an exact schedule for you, but every, you know, two or three story arcs, we're going to check in, have a bit of a chat. And don't forget that you can submit your questions at dndoctorates.com. The links are all on that page. And we love love getting your questions and feedback. It really makes the show worthwhile for us. And... Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in the future. So thanks very much. And until next time, goodbye. Share it with a friend. Bye. Bye. Bye.